This is an ABC podcast. This is the scariest moment of 1957. Until two days ago, that sound had never been heard on this earth. Those beeps are coming from a metal thing the size of a beach ball, orbiting the earth every hour and a half. It's a report from man's farthest frontier, the radio signal transmitted by the Soviet Sputnik, the first man-made satellite as it passed over New York earlier today. Sputnik was sent into space on a fancy new rocket built by the Soviet Union. And after its success, they used that rocket to send up some other things too, like a dog named Laika. The first living being to leave Earth for outer space. Then two dogs, Belka and Stroka. Then a human. Man had his first great success in space when the Russians pushed a man across the threshold. He was Yuri Gagarin. America quickly realised that if Russia could send up dogs and people, they could probably launch other stuff into space too. The world knows that it took a far more powerful projectile than America possesses to push that satellite into its orbit in space. Things like nuclear weapons. In view of that, Russia's threats may be more effective from now on. It scared the pants off the Americans and led to Russia celebrating their new status as leaders in the space war. It was the propaganda coup of the year. The Russians had discovered that their citizens loved having the best missiles and the best rockets. And it was a lesson an eight-year-old boy named Vladimir Putin would never forget. I'm Matt Bevan, and this is Russia If You're Listening, a podcast about Vladimir Putin's campaign to undermine and destroy the Western world. Today, the year Russia's incredibly popular president, Vladimir Putin, savouring a landslide re-election win, started to lose his shine. A small-time dictator, not a very intelligent man, doesn't have a master plan. And the increasingly desperate moves he made to try and get his popularity back. That's today on Russia If You're Listening. Being a dictator can be incredibly lucrative. Vladimir Putin, I believe to be the richest man in the world. I believe he's worth $200 billion. Experts say Vladimir Putin is absolutely rolling in dough. He doesn't talk about it, but if you want an idea of how rich he is, you only need to look at the watches he wears. It's a collection that says, for the most part, I am important and I can kick your ass. Experts have a special name for Putin's Russia. Putin runs a mafia state. There is no such thing in Russia as a national interest that is distinct from Putin's personal accrual of power and money. People who run countries like Putin does often run into trouble. Eventually. I've always claimed to be some kind of a soldier for beauty and a soldier for love. This is Imelda Marcos. Her husband Ferdinand was the dictator of the Philippines. As first lady, I have to flaunt, practically flaunt, love and beauty. Marcos and his wife stole billions of dollars from the Philippines government. They spent it on things like shoes, 3,000 pairs of shoes, in fact. They got so rich and powerful that they didn't realise that their charm had worn off and their popularity had nosedived. The people in the Philippines had had enough. They revolted and chased the Marcoses out of the country. Ferdinand died in exile. But dying in exile is actually a pretty good way to go for a dictator. 
After all, their fellow dictators, luminaries like Mussolini, Ceausescu, Hussein and Gaddafi, were executed, sometimes in pretty horrific ways. Moments ago, Saddam Hussein was executed. He was walked up the gallows steps and hanged. Colonel Muammar Gaddafi sought refuge in his birthplace of Sirte. It turned out to be the scene of his deadly demise, as he was lynched under the eyes of the world cameras. Putin's been watching as dictators like this have been thrown out of office, sent into exile and sometimes murdered. He knows there's not usually a peaceful, pleasant retirement for dictators like him. And that to keep his empire, he has to keep his people on side. He couldn't afford for his own popularity to plummet. So he does lots of things to stay popular. Things he thinks the Russian people will get behind, like invading their neighbours. Dozens of armed pro-Russian forces seized control of the international airport in Ukraine's Crimea region. It's not just conflict close by, though. To show how big and tough Russia is, he deploys weapons in international conflict zones as well, like Syria. Russian fighter planes have conducted their first airstrikes against ISIL positions in Syria. As well as enemies on the ground, Putin went after ideological foes too, like the European Union, which he, and a lot of Russians, hate. And uh, that's why he supported the likes of the, the Brexit leadership. That's why he supported the Alternative for Deutschland in Germany extreme neo-Nazi groups. Putin was on a roll. Most Russians thought that he could do no wrong. People genuinely loved him. The Russians were into the invasions, they liked being the boss in the Middle East, and it was kind of fun giving the EU the finger. These were all big, shiny displays of force and made Putin seem big and powerful. But the cherry on top, the thing Putin really thought would bring him the respect of his people and just in time for an election was a Sputnik-inspired announcement. Because what's bigger or more powerful than the world's most dangerous nuclear arsenal? President of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin. In early 2018, Vladimir Putin had a big announcement for his annual State of the Union address. He told the room... He had a nuclear missile, which carries a nuclear warhead for blowing up stuff. But it's also powered by a nuclear reaction engine. This is unheard of, and nobody else has such a system in the world. It's like a nuclear bomb powered by a nuclear reactor. And it could fly for way longer than all of America's crappy old missiles. Nobody wanted to talk to us seriously. They kept ignoring us. Nobody listened to us. So, listen to us now. To back him up, he showed a video about the weapon. It starts with recorded footage of a missile launching. But the bit where the missile stays in the air forever at 20 times the speed of sound is garbage animation. And it gives no evidence at all that the weapons actually work. The message was clear, though. The missiles in this very terrible video end up landing in Florida. Two weeks later, excitement around this announcement helped Putin secure his biggest election victory yet. He won three quarters of all votes, or at least that's what the official results said. Of course, 
As much as I'm, as much as I'm happy yeah. for him, uh, my condolences to Putin's opponents, Victor Stromansky, <laughs> and nerve gas patients 5421. This was the pinnacle of Putin's popularity. He had waged wars, talked tough on the EU, and literally aimed his bombs at Florida. And he'd won the election in a landslide. What could go wrong? Well, it turns out that all that attacking the West had some consequences. Our goal continues to be to send a clear message to Russia or others not to do this to us, because we can do stuff to you. The West slapped a lot of sanctions on him and his government. On top of that, there was an oil crisis, and things started to look a bit dicey for the Russian economy. To try and fix it, Putin made a fateful decision. He decided to raise Russia's retirement age. Parliament has passed a first reading of the bill that would raise the age to 65 for men, up from 60, and to 63 for women, up from 55. That was a big problem. Because while it may have helped the economy, it started a nosedive in Putin's popularity. See, the Russian life expectancy is just 66 for men. So Putin was suggesting that after paying taxes their whole life, the average Russian man would get retirement benefits for one year before they died. People hated it. And the thing Putin had been afraid of happened. His popularity plummeted. Judging even by the official numbers, Putin's uh, ratings are going down the hill. His approving rating as of recently was 42, 43%. 42% popularity is bad for a democratically elected leader. But for a dictator with full control of the media and no organised opposition, it's dangerous. Slowly but surely, people do get to realise that this unlimited power is, is getting extremely dangerous for the survival of Russian people. Putin is nothing if not a survivor. And he decided to try and win back his people's affection. But the things that worked in the past weren't as effective the second time round. First, he tried to remind people of that time he'd invaded his neighbours by building a bridge to the place he'd invaded and driving a big truck over it. It didn't really work. When the truck over the bridge trick failed, Putin tried to get them excited with a movie, a fun, romantic movie about that bridge. Welcome to the Krimsky Bridge, the biggest bridge in Russia. Government money was tipped into this romantic comedy about dudes trying to score chicks while working on the Crimean Bridge. Kremlin officials attended the premiere, but the movie bombed. When the propaganda didn't work, Putin went in a bit harder. He ordered the Russian Navy to bring out the big guns and attack. The Ukrainian Navy is accusing Russia of opening fire and taking three of its vessels. Russia took the three vessels and the 24 Ukrainian sailors on board hostage. It was a move that was meant to make him look big and tough again, and it happened just next to the Crimean Bridge. But in reality, it just triggered more sanctions and didn't budge Putin's plummeting popularity. Putin seemed out of ideas, and the things his critics said about him... He's a tyrant, he's a dictator... ...were looking increasingly accurate. He murders and jails his opponents... He is as dangerous as those kinds of men are. That's Masha Gessen. 
She wrote The Man Without a Face, one of the most well-known books on Putin in the last decade. He's also a small-time dictator, not a very intelligent man, one who doesn't have a master plan. She essentially says Putin is just a mean bastard who has tricked everyone into thinking he's a genius. There's a lot of meanness, there's a lot of scrappiness, there are some good instincts, good power instincts, but there isn't what Americans imagine, the, you know, the master plan, the, 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 the concerted attack on American democracy. As Putin's popularity fell, people began protesting. In the past year, Putin has faced the biggest Moscow mobs in years. These protesters are chanting, Putin is a thief. Over a thousand people were detained. And just when Putin probably thought things couldn't get much worse, his nuclear program started attracting the wrong kind of attention. Residents of a small town on the frozen coast of the Arctic Ocean were sent texts saying they needed to stay indoors. They were told there had been an explosion during a jet engine test at a military site, which killed two people and led to a brief increase in background radiation. In the hours which followed, the picture became clearer and more disturbing. Videos emerged showing a massive plume of smoke in the area and ambulances rushing through the streets, the drivers in hazmat suits with the windows covered. And then... The tiniest traces of radiation recorded on the Norwegian northern coast, say Norwegian officials. Radioactive iodine, they said, from an unknown source. Two radiation detection sites near the blast mysteriously went offline possible authorities are trying to hide data that these sites could have detected following the nuclear blast. Pharmacies near the test site started seeing a rush of people buying iodine tablets, which is what you do if you're worried you might be getting radiation poisoning. An evacuation order was issued. A doctor who treated the injured was found to be contaminated with radiation. Five bodies were buried in lead-lined coffins. Somber crowds line the streets of Sarov today, bearing witness to funerals cloaked in mystery. Nearly two weeks later, Vladimir Putin said the explosion was related to the nuclear-powered nuclear missile. The assumption was that it blew up on the launch pad, which is scary but happens all the time. But we don't just have to rely on Vladimir Putin for information. The US had been watching... And according to State Department official Thomas DeNano, the truth is a little more embarrassing than a launch pad explosion. Russia also has much to answer for regarding the August 8th Skyfall incident. He says just before Putin announced his new nuclear-powered missile, the Russian military had lost one of them in the Arctic Ocean. The missile remained on the bed of the White Sea since its failed test early last year. What we think happened is they tried to launch the missile, but the nuclear engine didn't work and it fell into the sea. In close proximity to a major population centre. The US says this was one of up to four of these missiles sitting at the bottom of the sea after failed tests in early 2018. This one had sat there for a year and a half, up until the military tried to salvage it. And a control rod in the nuclear engine fell out and... 
The United States has determined that the explosion near Nanoska, Russia, was the result of a nuclear reaction that occurred during the recovery of a Russian nuclear-powered cruise missile. So in fact, when Putin made his big announcement in 2018, This is unheard of and nobody else has such a system in the world. The unheard of system he actually had was four missiles on the bottom of the Arctic Ocean, one of which would explode when he tried to retrieve it 18 months later. For Putin, the timing couldn't have been worse. Vladimir Putin's party is at its lowest level of popularity in years, but very few doubt United Russia would be the winners in the local and regional elections on Sunday. Why so confident? Well, because Putin had rigged it, as he always does, by picking who got to run against his party. The exclusion of many opposition candidates prompted the biggest protests in a decade in Moscow. Despite this, Putin took a big hit. Putin's party went from having 38 seats to 25. Still a majority, but a slim one. Political experts see this as a bad sign for Putin in national parliamentary elections. The next elections are still years away, and the current presidential term ends in 2024. But there are some who are already thinking of and preparing for a Russia without Vladimir Putin. A Russia without Vladimir Putin. It's something that most people can't imagine. And something Putin would rather people didn't think about too much. He's got time to turn it around, though. And when you're a Russian leader needing to boost your ratings, there are options on the table. There's an election in America next year, wide open for a bit of meddling. And if that doesn't work, there's always more rockets. I'm Matt Bevan, and this is Russia If You're Listening, a podcast about Vladimir Putin's attempts to undermine the Western world. Next, you might have heard Ukraine in the news lately. The Eastern European country of Ukraine lies at the heart of the impeachment inquiry. But the roots of Trump's impeachment actually lie in an unexpected part of Ukraine the gas industry, which for decades has been controlled by Russia. Russia's gas monopoly Gazprom has sent its traditional New Year's greeting to Ukraine, cutting off gas supplies in a row over prices and unpaid bills. The gas pipelines of Ukraine became the site of a global tussle between the US and Russia. Ruled by market principles, not sweetheart deals. How the US vice president's quest to clean up Ukraine's corrupt gas industry started a chain of dominoes fall which triggered impeachment hearings into Donald Trump. That's next on Russia if you're listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.